0: This is the Double A Balls Podcast, with your hosts, See, now we're spitting hot fire, Andy.
1: Andrew
0: Romanella. I like that. That's what I'm talking about. I'll be the best cheerleader. Father Time apparently doesn't know Tom Brady's address.
1: And Anthony Rinaldi. Love the hardwood. That's my passion. Houston, they don't have a problem. Listen, you don't even have to listen now. It's time for the show.
0: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. This is the Double A Balls Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Romanella, and sitting beside me always is my partner, Anthony Rinaldi. Andrew, how are you? It's a great day to talk about sports, the Double A Balls podcast. Follow us on social media, Instagram and Twitter. Social media, but. At Double A Balls on both. Visit the website, DAABpodcast.com. Hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Podbean Follow us and, of course, PowerOnPerformance.com for your apparel. We're going to jump right into this thing, Anthony. You put 20 bananas on LeBron James. I put 20 bananas on the field. The Cleveland Cavaliers lost game number one for the first time in LeBron James' career. Are you getting a little nervous?
1: Seems like everybody today was nervous for the King. You, you know, he, he kind of made that little snarky comment like, you know, don't don't come at me with uh, deficits because obviously they came back from a three-one deficit in the finals. So I mean, an all one deficit. Are you worried? It's only one game. I mean, you don't want to lose, you know, your home. Op- you know, the opening, the first game in your building. But listen, they have one more on Wednesday, and uh, listen, they lost by 18. They got their butt whooped.
0: That's what scares me, though, is they didn't. They couldn't muster more than 80 points in that game. Does it scare you that LeBron James is legitimately their only option? And can they actually win with this formula in the playoffs? Because they're also not that great defensively, proven by what Victor Oladipo did to them on the day.
1: Victor Oladipo. You told me he was a top 15 player, Andrew. He might have proved it at least on one night. Wow. What was he, ele- he was 11 for 19, I believe. 32 points?
0: Yes, he's, Yes, sir. 32 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, and 4 steals
1: filling up the scoreboard like Andrew Romanella and Purple Squad. I'm
0: telling you, this Indiana team is nothing to mess with, and I think what you have to see from the Cleveland Cavaliers in Game 2 is a better commitment to defense— There has to be better rotation defensively. You can't allow Victor Oladipo to beat you. You have to force Indiana to have anybody else on that roster beat you. And you have to figure out how you can find a way to click offensively. Because at the end of the day, everybody knows what LeBron James is going to bring. But if Kevin Love doesn't get a little bit more aggressive and go to the hole and find himself open for threes and become a second legit option for LeBron James and this team, I don't think Cleveland is going to go very far.
1: You saw exactly how tired LeBron James was when he was signaling to his bench, you know, "Get me out! I need a blow." You could tell the yeoman's work he was trying to do with that squad that they had on the floor. I don't know if you could pull the numbers up or if, if you haven't, but between Corver, Kevin Love, Rodney Hood, George Hill, and Clarkson, they were what, like maybe two for nineteen.
0: Yeah, if you look at something like Kevin that. Love was 3 of 8. I mean, he was 3 for 6 from beyond the arc, which is exactly what you need, but he only scored 9 points. Yeah, he brought down 17 rebounds, which is fantastic, but right now, because there's no longer a Kyrie Irving on this team, you need Kevin Love to be a prime-time scorer. You go down the list, Larry Nance Jr. scored 10 off the bench, and... J.R. Smith scored 15 off the bench, but you didn't get much. Kyle Korver didn't even have a point in this game. He only played four minutes, so nothing really special from there. There was really not a factor. And The other thing I looked at, and and this was the biggest thing for me, is it's an eight-man rotation for the Cavs. They've really shortened their bench. The problem is the likes of Larry Nance Jr., J.R. Smith, and Jordan Clarkson don't really scare me in terms of bench
1: depth. Did Tristan Thompson play, or was he uh, two get, minutes getting some tail?
0: He was a little bit worried about the after the game festivities, as opposed right. to the during the game festivities. So he only played two minutes. So I mean, those are my concerns, Anthony. And I mean, for me, there it's it's looking like maybe twenty bananas could be coming my way because even if they do find a way, I'm not. It's not panic mode after one game, but even if they do find a way to win this series, I just don't see them going. Farther because I don't think they're deep enough and they're good enough defensively to do so.
1: Out of all the games this weekend, I, I kinda penciled that one. The indie game, that's kinda the one that stands out. The rest was pretty much, you know, chalk, uh, except the Pelicans did overtake the Trailblazers. Is that a three-six matchup? What is it? Yes. Okay. So yeah, so yeah. And ups. that was the basically first,
0: two upsets. And that was the first time I feel like I've ever seen Damian Lillard and CJ McCullum, n- neither of them play good together.
1: Home team is six and two. Vegas loves that problem.
0: Absolutely. For me, I spent a lot of my time watching the Thunder play the jazz. Paul George was en fuego. I was Spanish for the fuego. The Thunder missed two total free throws in the game. Russell Westbrook played fantastic. Carmelo hit some big shots and some big free throws down the stretch. Steven Adams was a force. I'll tell you what, I really like what Corey Brewers brought to the team. And the Thunder went on to win one, 16, 108 against the Jets. He yeah, had a little bit of scare at the end. They kind of turned off the Jets with about three minutes left and like a 16-point lead. But at the end of the day, they did exactly what they needed to do in game
1: number one. You can tell what teams are basically on the cusp of winning a championship and those teams that are good enough to make the playoffs but aren't quite there yet. And you can tell by looking at Utah with that young core. Listen, they're, they're going to have Mitchell. They got Gobert locked up. You know, they get another draft pick, I think, up this, this year. I think they lost one in one of the trades they had. But uh, they, they also got uh, – is that Ricky Rubio over there in Utah? Yeah, is playing they... really well. So, listen, they have they have some pieces over there. They're a young team. They're talented, and you can see. Doesn't matter trading away the, the, theoretically the best player in Utah in the beginning of the season, uh, before season to Boston, really didn't take an effect.
0: Donovan Mitchell is legit.
1: Could have been should have been a Nick.
0: Thanks, Phil Jackson. Donovan Mitchell is legit. Last night he was excuse me the other night he was eleven for twenty two from the field, scored twenty seven points and brought down ten rebounds. He he was three of seven from beyond the arc and. For most of the second half of that game, he was playing on a bum left foot, even to the point where the training staff, when they were down by 15, about six or seven to go in the fourth quarter, the training staff pulled him off the court. They were trying to tell him that he wasn't going to play the rest of the game. Him. And the players on the floor, Jay Crowders, Derek Favors, a few others, Ingles, they came over and they're like, no, 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 coach, we need him on the floor right now. If he's good enough to play, he's coming back on the floor. He gets back on the floor, comes down, dribble, pull up from the free throw line, knocks down a two, and then the next time he's on the floor, knocks down a three. The kid is legit as a rookie in the league right now and is going
1: to be a perennial all-star. Yeah, there's quite a few matchups down, down the stretch. You know, you'll get them after... Either during the finals or right after, you know, you get the MVP race. You get the Rookie of the Year. You know, Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell are, are going neck and neck.
0: Sixers put up 130 in Game 1.
1: Well, listen, I mean, I think the Heat are just they're just a glorified old man roster. They're just kind of doing it with glue and duct tape. Has them. Old man. Did, dude's got a huge tattoo of his panhandle Florida on his
0: back. I like the point guard, though, Dragic. They got him in a trade, uh, I think it was two years ago, from the Suns. I like him a lot, and i got to give credit to Eric Spolstra. I mean, do you agree? I mean, everyone thought that he was a dead man walking once LeBron James left Miami and that they were no longer going to have success. And somehow Eric Spolstra has found a way to make that team relevant every year.
1: you got to love that story of his come to head coaching with the Heat, starting as the freaking scout tape boy, basically just running tape all day long. But, listen, he grinded deep at the time, and he became a hell of a coach. Sure, it helps when you get the best player on the globe. But my problem with Miami is Hassan Whiteside. That dude got paid, and he has I think like over $90 million, and that dude did not show up. And Embiid's not even playing. How do you get schooled like that and Embiid's not even playing?
0: I think what disappoints me more than anything about the Hassan Whiteside situation, and this goes for any player in sport that gets paid the way he got paid, for you to – Stop showing up the right way once you get your check. It's probably one of the most disappointing things in the entire world because you're proving the exact opposite of why you got paid. You got paid because you were that guy that came in, that worked, that helped the team, that had the team first, that did everything that was important to what the Miami Heat organization wanted and needed to move forward as a championship team. Now all of a sudden you get paid. and what You saw it with Sheldon Richardson with the Jets last year. You're just looking at going, my man. We paid you because you're one of the best players in the NFL, but you have to keep that level up. You don't just get to stop showing up. And to your point, Anthony Whiteside brought you 12 minutes and two points last night as a starter without Joel Embiid in the lineup.
1: That sounds like a contract the Knicks would give up. Was it Andrew? Can you, can you pull it up? Or I, I believe it was. I think it's 96 million or 93 million. I forgot what his absurd contract is, but. I mean that game was That game was kind of Back and forth You know Miami did put up A good fight But I think I think Philadelphia Is going to take This first series Andrew I wrote down A quick little A quick little note On each of these series here I wrote Philly looks solid Boston hanging on That was a pretty good game I mean You got to give up To Brad Stevens For his coaching job too Talk about a guy doing it with uh,
0: glue and duct tape. And that buzzer before. beater. They had to
1: overcome that and win it in overtime. Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought the Bucks had that momentum once Middleton hit that 45-footer. But I also – what else did I write down? I had these great notes, Andrew. I'm quite the notes taker. Well, while oh, yeah. you figure that out, I got your contract what
0: for Hassan side. How four, many years? Four years, $98.4 million. Here's the breakdown. Wow. Last year he made 22.11 mil. This year, he's making 23.7. Next year, he makes 25.4. And the last year of the contract, he makes 27.1. And just to remind you, for all of that money, he brought you 12 minutes and two points
1: in the playoffs. They're going to use that um, amnesty clause on him, I guarantee, where where you cut bait with one of your dumb contracts like the Knicks did with... That $100 million Amari Stoudemire contract.
0: Yeah, he's clearing 22-plus every year in the cap Yeah,
1: Pat Riley. Pat Riley's not going to. I can't believe that they signed off on that contract. Kudos to his agent. I hope he bought him a nice car or something. To get back to the teams on track, your point about the
0: Celtics and Brad Stevens is so true because the only reason why they are where they are is because they have a great coach at the helm.
1: How about your Warriors? Just want to tell everybody, hey, you can talk about Houston all you want. We're still here. We may not have Chef Curry, but we'll just do the easy work. They look good. Houston still found a way. Beside, it looked like it was two on five at one point. It looked like it was just James Harden and Clint Capella versus the Minnesota. Disappointing
0: from Paul, uh, from Chris Paul, excuse me.
1: Yeah, he had a, he had a kind of a wild. Disappointing
0: game from Chris Paul, and and it's and from the first quarter, disappointing. A few turnovers, no points, wasn't really doing much on the offensive side. It, through, like, the first eight minutes of the game, he almost looked lost.
1: There was, there was one sequence towards the end of the game where it was kind of, kind of a crucial part. I think that uh, Houston was up 4 or 5. Chris Paul literally was dribbling around and literally threw the ball out of bounds. Like, just kind of, like, lost it, fumbled it, I don't know what, what it was. And he kind of made it look like, yeah, that's my bad. Like, yeah, hello, you're in a playoff game, and you're you're totally a two-possession game. And he literally just gave the ball back to Minnesota. But then I believe Jimmy Butler went down, took some kind of fadeaway jump shot, too, when they were down three, which didn't make any sense. But, you know, Houston finds a way to hold on, Andrew. And your boy, the Beard, making a case for his MVP, carrying that over from the regular season. 44, right? Yeah, he's just so good, and he's proving it. But we've talked
0: about this. I think everybody's talked about this. I need to see it consistently now throughout the playoffs. He he hit early last year, too. He did this early in the playoffs last year, too. But as it got later, and that's where I look at Chris Paul and start saying, man, you need to start showing up. You need to start carrying your weight because we already saw the script last year when it was only James Harden, and it was not pretty when it got deep into the playoffs and you were playing the best teams remaining So we need you to figure it out because it can't be James Harden. Yeah, Clint Capella is a great option. It's a great – they ran the pick and roll last night beautifully. Clint Capella is a dynamite down low defensively, coming out of nowhere with some backside help blocks. Fantastic. But at the end of the day, I think we've learned in this NBA, it's a three-headed monster that gets you a championship. No longer a two-headed monster.
1: Tom Thibodeau. Who I really, it's a dangerous team. Really wish the Knicks went after for the, during that head coaching free agents. Dangerous free team. He called out your boy Cat. Your boy Cat did not show up. No. And that you can't have that in a playoff game. What do you have? I think? It's seven points from a guy he that on Whiteside kind of night, right?
0: It's right, and that and that's from a guy that you fully expect to lead your team and be the key to your offense. Eight points, three and nine from the field. And he played 40 minutes.
1: You, know, a lot of, you saw that at the end of that game there with that missed. They called a timeout, that free throw, and they confused everybody. The dude missed a free throw. He caught it and wanted to hand the ball to the ref and kind of took like 19 steps. And then realized realized there was a live ball and just threw it down the court. And somehow Minnesota got a, a layup out of it. I, I mean, I mean it just it was kind of almost comical to watch that play unfold. Just want to give you a few
0: games to really watch. Obviously, we've dissected a few different teams in the NBA, but – Before we have our Friday morning dab on Friday morning. Third
1: annual dab. Third
0: annual dab. We'll talk a little bit more in the what do you got, but the Cavaliers Wednesday night against the Pacers. That's a huge game, too. Teaser, teaser, teaser. I'm also looking at the Thunder versus the Jazz that same night. Also a huge game, too. And then when you look at Thursday, to me, I look at the Pelicans versus the Trailblazers since the Pelicans were able to take game number one of that series. I'm saying Pelicans, Trailblazers, game three, ends up being the winner of that series. So a few games to look at on Wednesday and Thursday, which Anthony and I will dissect dissect, excuse me, on the Friday morning
1: dab. Andrew, I am amped up. You'll be proud of me. I watched NHL. Playoff hockey over the weekend. Obviously, this is the best time of year in sports. Like, I know we said it, I believe, during March Madness with the start of baseball and, and hoops and whatnot, but honestly, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, the draft is 10 days away, baseball's heating up, your Mets are on a roll, dude. I mean, you must be going bananas. It how's, is. How's the squad looking, by the way? Easily
0: the best. Time of year in sports, 100%. And I am pumped about the Mets. And I'm very excited to talk about the Mets. And I'm very excited to talk about how well they're playing. I think Mickey Calloway was the right decision. But before we get there, I have another favorite team in the playoffs, and that's the New Jersey Devils. And it, and it looked bleak early for the New Jersey Devils. Before we get into that, though, I'm going to remind you that if you need anything done with your house, whether that is a renovation, an addition, a remodel, or a redone kitchen, bathroom, living room, indoor trim, all of it, call Frankie Franchise Construction at 973-789-6236. Mention the double A balls podcast or email him at frank.franchiseconstruction at gmail.com. And when you mention the double A Balls podcast, no guarantee, but he might just give you a discount on that first remodel or addition or renovation, whatever you need. Frankie Franchise Construction is the best in the construction industry. Call him 973-789-6236 or email frank.franchiseconstruction. At gmail.com. The NHL playoffs, Anthony, are heating up. I know you did spend time watching some of the key matchups in the NHL over the last few days.
1: You know, sometimes if you throw a few bananas on uh, Nashville, you know, you start watching a little Nashville hockey. Didn't even know Nashville had a team, but country music and hockey. That's what Nashville does, Andrew. Talk to me.
0: And they're doing a really good job. The Nashville Predators are I think are gonna go on for a sweep of the Colorado Avalanche in that series. They have played very good hockey and what's crazy about the Predators and, and I think that they've done this all year is anytime they've gotten down in a game. And it was funny because I was listening to the radio the other day and I think they were down to the avalanche in the first period. I wanna say it was two nothing or one nothing, and somebody on the radio was giving an update. And, oh, Nashville's down, but they'll most likely come back. And then they said, well, I don't mean that just because I think that they're just going to come back. It's because they've proven every single game that they're never out of a game. And sure enough, the next update came 10 minutes later, Nashville was up 2-1. to one. So I think that's what's so great about that team right now, Anthony, is that the Nashville Predators are able to find a way to win even on their worst Days tonight in the NHL, the Golden Knights will be looking for a series sweep of the Los Angeles Kings. How about They're that story, up Three Anthony? nothing. I know we've talked about that a lot, Anthony. But aren't you starting to see what I'm talking about? How you can't treat this like a regular expansion team because of all the playoff experience they have.
1: Yeah. Uh. Kudos to that GM for literally plucking every roster for those kind of not misfit a Fantastic players, job. But, I mean, look at their. I mean goalie I know he came from Pittsburgh who he has quite a track record there so you know I mean I just like that matchup over the LA goalie quick look at me Andrew I'm naming hockey players
0: you know fun fact my brother scored a goal against Jonathan Quick nice yes it was in a summer tangent, hockey game tangent, rebound tangent, goal I Rocky Romano put the puck in summer hockey game I think they were down like 8 nothing in this summer hockey game man I don't even know where we were somewhere reckless in New York I think and John, Jonathan no Jonathan Quick, I'll do I said spend a lot of time in that area. Now, Jonathan Quick was in goal and there was a rebound in front, my brother put it in and lo and behold, Jonathan Quick ends up becoming a Stanley Cup winner and one of the best goaltenders in the National Hockey League.
1: If I'm your brother, I'm telling that story all the
0: time. All the time. And to continue here with this NHL update, also tonight, the Wild host, the Jets. Right now, the Winnipeg Jets have a 2-1 to series lead there. Again, I felt the whole time like Winnipeg is going to win this series. I just think they were playing too well down the stretch, in Minnesota, again, as mentioned before, is a little injured. Also, with a 2-0 with a series lead, the Columbus Blue Jackets host the Washington Capitals, and... We've talked about this before and I've said this a million times. It is an epidemic in Washington. They cannot find a way to win in the playoffs. And again, a great Capitals team goes in and loses their first two games at home and now has to go to Columbus and try and crawl out of a 2-0
1: series hole. And weren't they up multiple goals in both games? Yes. And they just they just who's in goal? They to put Hopey in goal. Am I right, Andrew? Am I look at me, I'm naming guys. I can't even spell their name, but I'm naming them. Part of me thinks you just
0: went on the NHL rosters and just grabbed names and said, oh, this, this sounds like a good one. I'm going to bring this name, but no, you're not wrong. And I think at the end of the day, the Devils did this last night. They put Corey Snyder in net instead of Keith Kincaid because of the first two games of the series, maybe it wasn't fully Keith Kincaid's fault, but John Hines just felt like the Devils needed a spark. Now, I don't know if that's going to spark them to find a way to come back in this series. I really hope it does, but it's going to be difficult because I think the depth of Tampa Bay and the speed and just how well they play as a team and just the firepower comes at you from four lines at waves, it's just just so very difficult. But I I just think that the Capitals somehow need something but... There has to be an answer to this problem. And in my opinion, Anthony, if I'm the Washington Capitals and this year's playoffs go the same way the last three, four, five, six have, I'm thinking about trading Alexander Ovechkin and blowing the entire thing up. Because what does it matter? You haven't won in the ten years he's been there anyway.
1: Exactly. And, I mean, mainly I feel like hockey is if if you can ride a solid goaltender and you have, you know, a one or two good scoring I mean, obviously Pittsburgh Penguins. They got Sid the Kid. They got Malkin. Give me, I I some hockey to do.
0: I'm proud of you, Anthony. I'm proud of you. And so a bunch of games on Wednesday and Thursday to get into a few series that might come to an end, a few series like the Penguins and Flyers that I think might go to seven games. So a lot to watch in the NHL. We will have more of it for you on Friday. I have a feeling a few series will be over by our Friday morning dab. But, again, tune into the Friday morning dab. And, again, obviously follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Social media blitz at double A balls on both dot iTunes, Apple Podcast, Podbean. Make sure you hit subscribe. Make sure you rate the podcast. Give it a five star. And what else is a five star? It's Frank Franchise Construction. Remember, Frankie Franchise Construction is the best. In the construction industry, that NHL update was brought to you by the man, the myth, the Frankie franchise, 973-789-6236. Anthony, cue the game show music. It is another episode of What Does Anthony Know About Sports? So, we're listening to our listeners. I've spoken to a few. And they wanted to know if it was what does Anthony know about sports or what does Anthony know about hockey. I realized a lot of our questions were tailored towards hockey. We have now learned your learning about hockey. So on today's episode of what does Anthony know about sports, we will ask you questions of different varieties. So here we go. Three questions on the docket for today, Anthony. Question number one, there are two days out of the entire year where all four major sports don't play. I'm not asking for the specific dates. I'm asking if you know what two days they are. Two days where all four
1: sports... Two
0: days. All sports do not play. Wow.
1: Wow, this is a brain teaser.
0: I'll give you 15
1: more seconds. Can I, can I, can I get a hint, Bob? Summer. Summer. Independence, thing, not baseball. Come on, say them best
0: of year. Five seconds. I don't
1: know, I'm five by
0: four. The answer would be the day before and the day after the MLB All-Star Game. The only two days all year none of the four major sports are playing in competition. Oh, for one on this Double A-Balls podcast, episode 14. Here we go, true or false. Anthony Rinaldi, the New York Mets. Are the first team in MLB history to win their first five series to start a season? Is
1: that Mets history or all, all baseball history?
0: The New York Mets are the first team in MLB history oh,
1: there
0: you go. to win their first five series.
1: Next time I'm to say
0: context, Anthony. Context. Context, context, context. Anthony. Context. False. The New York Mets... 2018 team is the first team in New York Mets history to win their first five series, going for a sixth big series right now against the Washington Nationals, 0 for 2, Uh uh-oh, here we go, I'm having a feeling you're going to miss this one, but I'm going to give it to you anyways, Anthony Rinaldi, what five colors make up the Olympic rings? Red, white, blue, yellow,
1: green?
0: You are correct on three of them red, blue, and green. The other two colors are black and five seconds. Shines every day.
1: Yellow.
0: Boom! I, I said green and
1: yellow.
0: No, you didn't.
1: I said red, white, and blue, green, yellow.
0: My first five. Sure. Either way, I will give it to you. Yes, the it's Olympic tough. rings are
1: yellow, red, green, black, and blue. I, this, this game is under contest. So
0: Anthony goes one for three today. On Still what does Anthony know about sports? Baseball Hall of Fame. If that, if my quick math is correct, that means you are six point five for ten in your career. Of what does Anthony know about sports? A cool little stat I just gave you, Ant. The Mets have won their first five series, first time in franchise history.
1: They are hot, Andrew. They are buying into whatever Mickey Calloway is spitting out. Let me tell you, I watched some of this, I have a few of these knuckleheads on my fantasy team, so obviously I have a rooting interest. But to tell you the truth, they kind of remind me of the uh, Yankees last year a little bit. You know, they're fun to watch. They're never out of the game. Even if they're down a run or two, you'll see that they'll, they'll come back the next inning, the next frame, and put up a crooked number, which you always want to see. And it's not it's not home run ball. It's not one particular guy. It's a bunch of guys. And that starting rotation went healthy. They are, and listen, your bullpen's pretty lights out, too.
0: I think that's what excites me the most, Anthony, is right now the bullpen is performing way above the level you expected them to, and why I love the Mickey Calloway hire more now than ever is not because of the way the team is playing, but it's because I feel like for the first time in a few years, all of our pitchers have the chance to stay healthy And be quality the whole year because a proven pitching guy alongside another proven pitching guy are leading this ship right now and understand that the bread and butter for the New York Mets in the 2018 season is that staff.
1: I didn't watch the game yesterday, but I was impressed with the win because a lot of their key guys were out and they kind of, and your boy uh, Flores came up with a game win. Are you
0: talking about on. Sunday night against the Brewers when Flores oh, hit right. the walk-off home run. You're right. I
1: don't know what day it is. Either
0: way, you're 100% correct. All I, know is I started
1: work this week and it's brutal.
0: Either way, you are 100% correct because that's a huge game. Because I'm always a big believer that obviously you need to peak late and it's a long MLB season. And I need to see them again. Of course, the 162, yada, 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 yada. At the end of the day, you have to find a way to win games when you're not at your best. And early in the season, the Mets have proven one start, Noah Syndergaard only goes four innings. They piece five shutout innings of the bullpen together. They win a game. On Sunday night, their offense isn't great. A throwing error by Ahmad Rosario gives the Brewers the two runs. Flores hits a game-winning home run. I mean, those things have to happen if you want to be a championship team.
1: I mean, maybe this is just nitpicking, Andrew. But I guess if you – if there's one thing, you know, because I feel like for Mets fans, it's always, yeah, 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 where they 12-2. and When's the other shoe gonna drop? You know, when? When are the Mets? When are the Mets gonna be the Mets? You know, what are they gonna do something silly or Met-like? But I guess one thing I, I've kind of noticed is the pitching staff doesn't doesn't give you longevity, which is kind of interesting, right? I think Zach Wheeler went seven innings once. But he, yes. But like you just said, <coughs> Thor but went. I- Thor went four innings, one start. I think uh, Sunday night he went, what, only five and a third? But I don't think
0: that longevity is because they're not good or they're not there yet. I think it's because Mickey Calloway is partly protecting their arms. You know, I think he's looking at it going, we can't afford this now. Let me pull him in the fifth and a third inning because he's not great right now and he's close to 100 pitches. We can give it to our bullpen so that later on in the year, he's dominant later.
1: That was my question. Like I said, I didn't see it on Sunday was it a you know was, was he up at bat and he pulled him for a, a pinch hitter, or was he just at a high uh, pitch count? For it?
0: Noah Syndergaard, yeah. he actually let him hit he did. in the bottom of the fifth inning. Didn't take him out for a pinch hitter. He went back in in the sixth inning, got one out, and then just couldn't get out of the inning, and then that's when he pulled him. So he, he showed the want to leave Noah in, who was throwing very well. And then last night on Monday – Jacob DeGrom had a fantastic start. He went seven, and that's the longevity I think you're talking about that now moving forward you want to see. And right now they're they're in a series with the Washington Nationals that I think they need to come out on the side of winning two out of three. You know They swept them last time. It's completely okay. Everyone wants a sweep at the Nationals. It's a great team, but you are going to lose games to that team this year. But at the end of the day, it comes down to series wins. So we'll see if the Mets can keep playing good baseball. They are right now. They're on a roll, and I love it. Across the way, the Yankees got a big win on Monday night. They blew out the Miami Marlins. Um, it was really good to see. And I think Playing the Marlins has come at the right time for the New York Yankees.
1: I don't think I watched a Yankee game in like four days. What's all, What was rain out there in Detroit?
0: But I think it worked out for them, though, because they got to rest their bullpen arms.
1: Oh, I, didn't I think that was huge. That's the underlying issue with the New York Yankees, I feel like. Because you feel like Stanton, he'll figure out, this, you know, he's a hitter. He's just, it's, it's probably more as, uh, mentally at this point, he's, he's adjusting to New York. Look at that warm weather coming May. He'll be hitting bombs for days. I like Aaron Judge. He's fine. Aaron Hicks out in center field. Check this, Andrew. Your boy Jacoby Ellsbury was out with a I think a shoulder strain or some kind of oblique strain or something. His first injury. So he's rehabbing. He pulls. He hurts a hip. Now he's rehabbing his hip. He hurt his foot. I think he's another
0: done. wasted contract.
1: Oh yeah, that's that's one of those one Brian Cashman uh, mulligans. He would love to take back, but. Well, what you got to
0: love from Monday night, tell me if I'm wrong, is that Aaron Judge went deep. I mean, Didi went deep again. But Aaron Judge is the 60th home run of his career. 60th. He hasn't even played over one and a half full major league seasons.
1: I had to think. Remember when he first came up, they were like, can, you know, can he hit? He strikes out a lot. doesn't take many pitches. And he's kind of all over the place. And look what he's kind of turned into.
0: He's hitting 351 right now, and I think what's more impressive to me, though, and you made this point early on in the year when we were talking about whether or not he should be a leadoff hitter, he's at nearly a 480 clip on base percentage right now. Essentially, 50% of the time, Aaron Judge is getting on base. That is ridiculous when you include the other guys, like a Didi Gregorius, like a Brett Gardner, and a few other of these guys that... You're, you want to get on base. Listen to this, and this is the strength of the Yankees right now, and this is why I, I, you really want the pitching staff to come along. You look at Aaron Hicks. Now, I know it's a little bit more of a limited sample size, but you look at Aaron Hicks, 412 on base percentage. Fantastic. As long as you're over the 40, you're looking good right there. Didi Gregorius, 438. Aaron Judge, 479. Look at Ronald Torres, 400. So you're looking up and down this lineup, and you're saying to yourself, four or five guys, Brett Gardner, three ninety seven, essentially four you You're looking at this lineup going four or five guys are consistently getting on base a lot of time for us. If we can start getting our pitching staff on the same page and get timely hitting, we are going to be in a very good spot.
1: Exactly. And you hear a lot of the New York Bronx Bomber fans calling in, worried, concerned about Boone, concerned about this, that, or the other thing. Clearly, our bullpen, it's, the runs, the run support is there for the Yankees. We're, I'm not concerned about that. Like you said, with all that, all that potential, they score runs in bunches. But for some reason, t- a typical uh, night was Friday night, the only game they played in Detroit. I believe they were up eight to one at one point. All of a sudden, I try I turn around, it's eight to six. Eight to six, the bullpen game. up, and Chapman's uh, kind of all over the place. Patantis is all over the place. Canley couldn't hit the beach from the ocean. And that's what
0: scares you, though. Well, either way, couldn't hit the beach from the ocean, couldn't hit the ocean from the beach, either one. He still couldn't hit what was close to him, and I agree with you. That's what scares me. But, look, they beat the Miami Marlins. They've now won two straight. They're 8-7, and seven, so they're one game over five hundred. Now you're just looking at it saying, can we put a few together? Can we win three or four before we lose our next one? Then can we go on another, win three or four before we lose our next one? That's all you need to worry about. And at the end of the day, by July 1st, probably by the time we start talking about the trading deadline, the Yankees are going to be buyers. They're going to be right in the thick of things in the AL East. And all of the panic that's going on in New York Yankees world right now is going to be completely out the window because they're going to be playing up to the baseball that they should be playing.
1: And with the injuries coming to a close, hopefully, I believe uh, Greg Bird was out in the outfield today, shagging some fly balls during BP, which is always a good sign. Doing a little bit of light baseball work. They're gonna, you'll see they're going to call up Gleyber Torres. You know, I think they should move him over to second, put Neil Walker at first, and then. Put Ronnie Torres at third base.
0: So you'd rather see them go with Walker than continue to let Tyler Austin get some at-bats? Austin,
1: Wade, When he comes Andy back from suspension? You know what? Yeah, they're not, they, they, they're not cutting their teeth right now. Is anymore. that
0: where you are as a Yankees fan? Because you know how good this team can be?
1: Exactly. Like I said, and I'm not worried. I want to see, you know, bring up a little more youth. Let me see what Gliber does because he is raking right now in A. So let's see what he does. Put him at second. You move to race because you you got to keep that 400 OBP on on your, you know, batter eighth or ninth because he's another leadoff guy. Keep him in the lineup. Put him at third and put Neil Walker or even give me Tyler Austin at first base. I'm okay with that.
0: I love Tyler Austin, and I I take the fight out of it because you spoke about his grittiness as a baseball player in general. And I like that because I think that's what what this team had so much in Todd Frazier last year and Brett Gardner that – You need a little bit of that grittiness, and you kind of need a guy to bring that to the ball club. And it seems like once you lost Todd Frazier, you were looking for who's that next guy to kind of bring that confidence, bring that cockiness, bring that swag to the team. And I know maybe it's just because he's on the back of my mind because of the fight that happened last week with Boston. But at the end of the day, Tyler Austin kind of has that swag about him where he doesn't care what you think about him. You know, he's going to come out. He's going to ball. He's going to play his game. He's going to play hard. He's going to slide hard. He's going to go in and he's going to earn his and he's going to prove that he belongs. And sometimes I feel like that's a great thing to have in your lineup.
1: There's also one one other fellow on the DL who used to have that kind of spunk, that spark last year for the Yankees, and that was Clint Frazier. True. That redheaded ginger.
0: True, and and you also have to think about Greg Bird in that light too. Think about what that lineup did once Greg Bird got in late in the season.
1: That's what. I, that's why you can't panic. I know we were fifteen games in, and it's like, wow, the Red. I mean, the Red Sox are off to a hot start as well. So you're like, uh, you know, already looking up at the Red Sox, but it's a hundred and sixty-two game season. Come talk to me in September. You know, let's see where we are then, because I guarantee if we're not if we're not fighting Boston in a three four game battle, we'll at least have probably top priority at a wild card gig.
0: Does it scare you that Boston got off to such a hot start because you mentioned it to me last week about how it was important for the Mets to keep winning and building that lead against the Nationals because your point was the Nationals are going to play good baseball eventually. So if you build that lead now, you might build enough cushion to last you the next four months and possibly win you the NL East. Does Is that the only thing that really kind of puts the Yankees in panic mode? Because nobody else is playing very well in the AL East. It's really just the Boston Red Sox and everybody else kind of muddling around two games over 500, one game over 500. Is that really just kind of why panic mode might be felt at Yankee Nation now more than ever?
1: Well, listen, it's what you've done for me lately. Of course, the Yankees, and it's it's, it's World Series or bust at this point, And everybody was saying at the beginning of the year when we got Stanton, look at this lineup, look at this lineup. We haven't been healthy. Everyone's, you know what? I can't imagine what, hopefully, if Greg Bird ever does stay healthy. But at this point, we, I, I keep saying, if he stays healthy, he—he he's proven he can't stay healthy. So I don't know why I keep going to that well of, well, once he gets healthy, he'll be, he'll be great. Because you know what? He, he really can't. He needs
0: to prove to you.
1: He really can't, exactly.
0: And I don't think you're going to hit two forty four all year, which is currently the team batting average. I know for a fact that that won't hold up, and I don't think your team ARA is going to be a 4-7-8 the remainder of the year. I think that's going to drop. I think those guys are going to start getting on track. I think the bullpen is going to start getting on track. Remember, there is there is a legit hangover for those guys. Arms are the hardest thing to recuperate when you make a long playoff run deep into October, and right now that's what they're feeling. Araldis Chapman was abused the year the Chicago Cubs won the World Series, came back, was injured, Wasn't spectacular last year until late, but then blew out the bullets again late into the playoffs and bounces back again. Throwing is the most unnatural motion you could possibly do. So the people that are going to take the longest to bounce back, look at the New York Mets. It, they have, they're now bouncing back from the 2015 World Series run. Noah Syndergaard, yeah, part of it was his workout routine. But that 2015 year sent him in an injury spree for two straight years, as did Matt Harvey, as did Steven Matz, as did Zach Wheeler. That's the year he needed Tommy John. Those guys, that 2015 season is the reason why in 16 and in 17 we were not as healthy as a pitching staff. It's
1: really a game. with a season of attrition, Andrew. And you got to get through it. Right now the Yankees are hitting that stride of everyone's getting banged up this way, that, or the other thing. And you know what? Who knows? Boston may go through a string of injuries. Xander Bogarts went down recently. And I, I feel like out of the AL East, the Yankees and the Red Sox are almost built the same way. I'll give the pitching nod towards Boston for Sale and David Price, although David Price, he's injury-prone recently, and he hasn't been himself uh, from his old Tampa Bay days. But you look at their roster. I mean, they have a lot of offensive potency. Their their defense is good. Their like I said, their pitching staff is 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 decent. I mean, obviously their top two are good, but after that, Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, Drew Prom- Pomeranz. He's always injured. You know, they don't really scare me. Their their bullpen is you know they have uh, what's his face at the back end there, Kimbrell. So I really don't. It's it's, it's they are almost mere images to the Yankees. You, you see Mike Dombrowski and Brian Cashman have almost built. The exact same kind of powerhouse offensive unit. And Boston will come back down to earth. And the Yankees, you know, because they're the Yankees. Hopefully we come back. We get a little hot, like you said. You start putting three or four games together. Look at the Mets. The Mets have rattled off, what, nine in a row? It I mean, was nine in nine a row before they,
0: they lost to the Brewers. But you're right. And, and that's all it takes is that one streak. And you're so right about the Boston Red Sox. And, hey, It is a long season. There is a lot to happen, and I think, again, at the end of the day, the Yankees are going to be there in the AL East and in the MLB playoffs.
1: Maybe the Yankees should, on the trade deadline, go after Bartolo, big sexy Cologne. Did you see that performance he put on him and Verlander?
0: Just an extra arm that they might need to start, and it's a cheap option. That's your boy. Loved he just, he playing. loved
1: playing with the Mets, I heard.
0: Never forget the day he had his first career home run against San Diego. Yeah. Oh, man, was that a moment. And what other moments you have in your life, maybe with your broken doors, thermo panes, or windows. Those moments stink. But we have somebody that can help you fix those things when those moments happen, and that is Hawthorne Glass. And we want to remind you that if you have a broken shower door, a window, a dirty thermopane, Call Hawthorne Glass at 973-427-4344 and talk to our man, Angelo. He has three-plus decades of quality service in the glass industry. And they don't call him the best in the business for nothing, folks. So go ahead and give him a call. And when you do mention Double A Balls Podcast, for your first consultation, you will receive 10% off. Yes, that's Hawthorne Glass, the best in business the glass industry call them 9734274344 four. anthony rinaldi it's Hawthorne glass it's what do you got you have a tied scoreboard at 12 to 12 you made the right picks last week
1: don't call the comeback i've been here for years
0: anthony picked the denver nuggets Versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Timberwolves end up winning in overtime. It was a fantastic game, and he picked Carl Anthony Towns, who also had a fantastic game that went up against the New Jersey Devils, losing 5-3, to three, and Andrew picking Keith Kincaid, who, as I just mentioned, gave up five goals and was not the player-performer I needed.
1: Shout-out Denver Nuggets. You know, they're not a bad team, even though at one point, I think they had, a, they had, they were, they had like a six or seven... Uh, games above 500. And down in the West there, they kind of fizzled down the end there. But they're they're kind of like Utah. They're a player, too, away from really taking that next step and becoming kind of a force in the West to, to kind of go up against Golden State and, and Houston. But, Andrew... I needed those games, brother. I you needed, needed. it was, I was hurting.
0: Tied the scoreboard 12-12. to 12. That's it. Give me even keel here. So since you did win it last week, I'm going to let you get it started this week. So,
1: Anthony Rinaldi, what do you got? What do you got? I love the hardwood. It's a passion of mine. We know it. I'm staying on the hardwood. NBA playoffs. That scares me. This is going to be, I think, an interesting game for the mere fact that King James... Has a lot of undue pressure because I feel like when you talk about King James, it's like, wow, look what King James did this season. He had his great season, his 15th year in the league, and he's doing all these great he has all these accolades. But then, you know, he gets blown up by 18. They go, well, look who's playing with. He's got garbage. He can't have it both ways. And Cleveland can't go down o two. 2 Andrew. You do not want to go into Hoosierville down o two 2 with that small town of Indiana. 100%. So I'm going to go with a Wednesday night banger. TNT. Give me Charles Barkley and the crew of TNT. It's Pacers at Cleveland, Game 2, 7 p.m. But I'm going with a Pacer for my player to watch. Wow. I want to see your top 15 boy, Victor Oladipo, go do, do what he does again to take over that game. Because I guarantee you, LBJ will be covering Oladipo at some point during that game.
0: 100%, and I'm not going to lie to you. I really thought you were going to pick LBJ there because you've been on his bandwagon a lot of this year he's based too easy. off the way he's he, played. He,
1: he scores, he does the, the dishing, he gets all the rebounds. It's too easy. i got to pick somebody a little bit different, Andrew. Come on.
0: I love the Victor Oladipo pick. See, I loved him on the Thunder. I really wish that had worked out, but I'm happy with the current situation of the Thunder.
1: And listen, I'm not like you who picks Sunday at the Masters. I don't go for the easy layup, Andrew. Well, I try to pick the hard ones I want to give the people something to watch. Andrew, what are you got? Well,
0: I picked the hard one last week. It just kind of came back and bit me in the face. So I'm going to flip it back to basketball. I'm going to join you on the hardwood. And I'm also going to stay on Wednesday. And I'm not just picking this because I get pumped up that we can now talk about it on the Friday morning dab. But I'm also picking this because it is game two of the Thunder versus Jazz. And I think... This is the biggest game of the series because the Oklahoma City Thunder, the biggest thing they can hold their hat on is they play so well at home. And I think if the Thunder want to be successful in the playoffs, they really can't afford to drop any games at home, especially against a good Utah Jazz team who themselves also play very well at home in Utah. So if they can find a way to win game number two on Wednesday night, and go into Utah with that 2-0 cushion, that's okay if they drop one there. It's okay if you come back from Utah 3-1, but I think that's the way they have to win this series and every series going forward. So I'm taking the Thunder versus Jazz. That is game number two. On Wednesday nights. And no, I'm not going to pick my man, Russell Westbrook. I'm going to pick Paul George. And here's why. Double dipping. Double dipping. I I wrestled with Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. Because at the end of the day, Paul George and Carmelo Anthony are going to be difference makers for this Thunder team. The best thing I think I saw all night the other night was Carmelo Anthony playing defense. He came up with some steals. He tipped some passes. He actually hustled on the defensive side. The reason I go with Paul George, though, is because, yeah, it's one night, he was on fire, but at the end of the day, Paul George needs to be that guy the remainder of this playoffs and be that Robin to Russell Westbrook's Batman if this Thunder team wants to continue moving forward.
1: I watched a lot of Carmelo not play defense, but it's the dude actually, when his mind's set to it, he will play defense. And it's i mean—it's just unfortunate that he only wants to play offense 98% of his time. But if, if Russell Westbrook and – uh who's the coach over there, a guy from Florida? Donovan. Billy Donovan. Could get him focused on strictly playing a little more defense and not worrying about scoring. And then just hitting his open his threes. His scoring will come to him. Yes.
0: He's going to get the open threes. Russell Westbrook and Paul George can create enough. And what I love the most about what the Thunder are doing, just to finish, Billy Donovan has made a really great adjustment with the Thunder – About five or six minutes into the first quarter, he takes Paul George out of the game. He kind of gets him that extra three, four, five minutes worth of rest at the end of the first, first quarter so he can come back at the start of the second quarter and be the leader of the second unit. Since the Thunder have made that move, it's made a difference in both Paul George's game and the overall game of the Thunder because the biggest problem with the Thunder over the last year without Kevin Durant is when Russell Westbrook's off the field, the team is terrible. They're not a good enough team offensively or defensively for that matter to continue to hold leads. So that is why what Billy Donovan has done with adjusting Paul George and Carmelo Anthony and adjusting that second unit to give those two guys a little bit more time to shine and make it a little bit easier for when Russell Westbrook comes off the floor, it is huge. So again, I come back to Paul George. He's got to be close to that guy. I don't need 37 every night. I don't need you to be 8 of 11. I don't need you to be unconscious. But I need you to give me that 25, be a very high-percentage shooter, and do what I need you to do when Russell Westbrook isn't on the floor.
1: We'll find out on our Friday morning dab. And we
0: will talk about this, what he you got? So just to give you the recap, it does 12 to 12 scoreboard. So we are neck and neck right now. Anthony has the Pacers versus Cavaliers. That will be game number two Wednesday night. He's taking Victor Oladipo for his performer. And Andrew has the Jazz versus the Thunder. That is also on Wednesday night. And he is taking Paul George as his performer. So two game twos on the hardwood in the playoffs that both Anthony and I are picking this week.
1: We are both double-dipping, trying to go back to the fountain there. With me going with Oladipo, trying to reenact his 32 points. And you going with PG, trying to get 37 Interesting, those guys were trading for each other too, Andrew.
0: Kind of crazy, right? We talked about
1: that on the Friday morning, Dad. mm -hmm. Which team, you know... got was the better end of that trade. Because when you first heard it, you were like, wait, the Thunder got pulled George for who? Yep. And what?
0: And now it's starting to look way more likely. Mark my words right now, Ant. If this Thunder team makes a run in this playoffs... Paul George is going to stay with the Oklahoma City Thunder after this offseason.
1: I wrote
0: that down. 100%. Yeah, as Anthony Rinaldi would say, write it down or don't because this podcast is recorded. Nailed it. Nailed it. And remember, if you need something nailed or fixed at your house, Hawthorne Glass, 973-427-4344 are wonderful sponsors of What Do You Got? There's one more thing on my mind. I know it's on your mind. The New York Giants and the New York Jets have the number two and the number three pick in the NFL draft coming up a little bit more than a week.
1: Ten days from Monday, right? Brands, <laughs> yeah,
0: at 16th. Yeah, so 36th. what are you feeling about that second pick for the Giants? And I know Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay came out with some mock drafts that you brought into the studio today. Do you agree, disagree, or want to see the Giants go a different direction than what is being predicted?
1: That's a great question, Andrew. I'm looking at both of them. They have two similar picks in the 3-4 and hole, the Jets and the Cleveland Browns. But for the most part, and surprisingly, because I feel like they're always together, they're quite different. And I believe the Giants may go in a third direction because I don't believe they'll go in either direction. But real quick, I'm going to rattle off both top five draft picks. We'll start with Mel Kuiper. He's got Allen going one to Cleveland. Sam Darnold going two to the Giants. Rosen to the Jets. Saquon to the Cleveland. Baker Mayfield to Denver. McShay's got Sam Darnold going one, which would be interesting for the Giants because I believe that the Giants are beholden to one quarterback, and that's Sam Darnold. And the Jets, of course, they like all three quarterbacks. They don't care. They just want to Typical See why the franchises are the way they are. But if if Cleveland, that's why I think the Giants are hyping up so much that they want Saquon Barkley. Because they want to put that little nugget in Cleveland's brain that they, they're, they're going to take Saquon Barkley. So if Cleveland really wants him at, you know, they can't wait till four because the Giants think take him at two. So they, t- so they get nervous and take him at one. And then the Giants have the pick of the litter at what quarterback they want. But, but mcshay has got Bradley Chubb going to the Giants, which cool. I don't believe. Because we traded away JPP. So what's the point of having another, another DN rush? I just think the
0: Giants have to go quarterback
1: in this draft. Oh, man, I'm so torn. But then they got Josh Rosen going to the Giants. He's got Saquon going to Cleveland. He's got Denzel Ward, the cornerback, I believe, going to Denver. And then Quentin Nelson is a sixth pick. I think Arizona holds a sixth pick.
0: I think if you're the Giants and the sixth pick is actually Indianapolis. Yeah, because that was the trade with the Jets for pick number three. If you're the Giants, I think the best-case scenario is the Cleveland Browns pick anybody not named Sam Darnold, and you get Sam Darnold. I think that is absolutely the best-case
1: scenario. I agree with you. Like I said, it's been told. Your boy Chris Canty from the afternoon ESPN ride always talked about how there was one quarterback the Giants loved, and his uh, spot or uh, what you call it, intel from the Giants was at Sam Darnold. They loved Sam Darnold. And
0: he was on the Giants campus, I believe, on Monday, going through interviews and meeting the staff and doing the whole recruitment visit type deal for the NFL draft. And I think that kind of gives you the idea. Obviously, they have a lot of these guys bringing to their facilities. And the Giants have, if you read a lot, they are a lot of times connected to Sam Darnold and Saquon Barkley, and I think your point before is correct. They've hyped up Saquon Barkley so much because I think they want the Browns to believe they're going to take him in two, that the Browns won't get him at four, take him first, get a quarterback at four, and then that leaves Sam Darnold there for the Giants. They have the pick of Sam Darnold, and they're going to get a really good quarterback, uh, excuse me, running back later on in this draft. They don't need to go ahead and get a running back that early. This running back class is really deep in this draft, so I think the Giants are best served getting a quarterback, and if it's not Sam Darnold, Anthony, who else is it that you want under center after Eli Manning leaves?
1: Unfortunately, I didn't see a single down he played because he didn't. Because if for some reason we thought Ben McAdone thought Geno Smith was the answer. I, be, I in my heart of hearts, if, the, if I don't know why gentleman would say that at Saquon, he's been sporting Saquon's name, saying it's, we're taking him number two regardless of what what have you. The Giants' O-line is so bad that, I mean, besides Nate Solder and the guy they signed, uh, for, I can't say his name right now, uh, it's a crazy name, o- o- Omanamu or something like that, they don't really have an offensive line. So why get a running back that's not really going to... Because the Giants aren't, aren't a single player away from, you know, from b- being a contender. We are multiple positions away. I'm going to give you the draft day scenario that I see happening. Cleveland's going to take Darnold, number one, because I think he's the most... Um, quarterback ready to make that next step and be your franchise quarterback. If that's the case, I see the Giants training with the Bills. The Bills are going to get freaked out. They're going to give him two number ones, two twos, and a three. And gentlemen can't pass that up. And we'll see the Giants move to twelve, and we'll figure it out from there. That's my scenario. Well, see the one thing I want the
0: Giants wanted the Giants to do, and even maybe the Jets for this scenario, but the Jets are in a little bit of a different position because they're looking way more now than the Giants maybe. And even if it's only one year with Eli Manning, it's still a year of buffer time and development that you know is probably going to happen. I love Mason Rudolph out of Oklahoma State. For some reason, he's a guy, and hey, I'm not an NFL expert. So I will go ahead and give the guys that are getting paid way a lot more money than I am to cover the sport the benefit of the doubt, but it just in my opinion, from the eye test, and I did get a chance to watch every guy, these top five guys, I had a chance to watch Rosen, Allen, Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Mason Rudolph, Lamar Jackson, I had a chance to watch them all, and I really love the poise, the composure, the ability, the size, a little bit of mobility from Mason Rudolph, the way he ran that Oklahoma State offense, so if I'm the Giants, What I do is I go ahead and I do pick somebody that is not a quarterback at two or make a trade. I do pick up the phone and call Buffalo. I make a trade so I can get more depth in my locker room. And then with that, I think it's the number 34 pick in the draft because they're the second pick in the second round. If I believe and I think he is going to be still available, I then go get Mason Rudolph. Or if it's not Mason Rudolph and maybe Lamar Jackson's still there or another guy, but I think Mason Rudolph's still going to be there, then I go get him. That's just me. Maybe I'm on the minority there, but I think you have a better opportunity to build your franchise, set it up because you're going to get more draft picks by trading out of that two-spot. You're still going to get quality running back, probably quality offensive lineman, and then a very high-quality quarterback with that first pick, in the, well, the second pick in the second round, but your first pick in the second round.
1: Don't quote me on this, but I have a feeling Check is going to take Mason Rudolph. I can see the that. the first round. I could
0: see that, absolutely.
1: Just as
0: a predecessor to TB12. 100%. And I think also one of those teams that was in the playoffs last year, maybe a Pittsburgh, takes like a Lamar Jackson. Because think about it. Lamar Jackson's a mobile-type quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger might not look the part, but he plays the part very well as that mobile-type quarterback almost a great guy to learn from the only thing that scares me about that and I think that's what's going to happen but the only thing that scares me about that Anthony is Ben Roethlisberger has been hurt a lot in his career so I don't know if with a slimmer not as big guy in Lamar Jackson I don't know if that's exactly the best guy to learn from in terms of safety but at the end of the day I think five or six quarterbacks are gone by the 40th pick in the draft
1: that's every, – everyone's saying it. This is the quarterback-heavy draft this year. I mean, I think like they say
0: every year. Well, and the last guy I'm, I'm looking at, and, and I know that – I think it was Todd McShay said he might be the steal of the draft, and that's Bo Scarborough, the running back from Alabama. One thing about those Alabama running backs, and for, for the most part, they've all come in and had very good – pretty good careers – the, those guys are are hard-nosed tough runners not they're, Trent Richardson. they're not and he's really the only one you can think about and he had two good years but those guys are hard-nosed runners they run between the tackles they're not afraid of contact I mean you look across the NFL you're gonna uh, I mean Alabama's everywhere obviously but running back wise I think it's good school to draft from running back wise and Bo Scarborough is that type of guy that you, I just kind of want on my team. And I think he's going to be a running back. Look for whoever ends up drafting Bo Scarborough. And I agree with Todd McShay and his rundown on why he could be this he steal the draft. There are a little bit of health concerns there. But for me, that's my one guy to kind of look at. And five years from now, you're going to say, man, that Bo Scarborough pick was a great pick.
1: Would you like to one on the Dolphins, Andrew?
0: I want everybody on the Dolphins. Truthfully, I, I hope that Baker Mayfield slides to 11.
1: How about Des Bryant to
0: the Dolphins? Uh, that Des Bryant situation, for those that don't know, I'm sure you do. It's been all over. Des Bryant released by the Dallas Cowboys. Crazy situation. He said he wants to go to a team that plays the Dallas Cowboys twice. So. By hearing that, I would rule my Dolphins and everybody else out besides the Washington Redskins, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the New York Giants. Yeah,
1: I'd pair him up next to Odell. If you could figure out a way to pay those two knuckleheads together, wow. That'd
0: be the better version of what you wanted with Brandon Marshall last exactly. year.
1: Exactly. Oh, wow. Andrew just nailed that right on the head. That's what
0: I'm saying. You got,
1: Frankie Franchise nailed that on the head. You
0: have the guy that can stretch the offense and then the defense, Excuse me. then you also have the guy that's just big and can go up and catch the ball.
1: I mean, the Des Bryant cutting, I mean, that's just, that's strictly business. He wasn't worth, I think, he was making $16.5 million against their cap. So, obviously, Jerry Jones, he's a businessman down there in Texas. So, he's not going to mess around. And they couldn't come to an agreement. Dez didn't want to play for less. And he wasn't putting up, you know, Des really wasn't, hasn't been putting up those number one type numbers those past few years. <laughs> Although, I mean, he did have a stretch run uh, where I believe it was like thir- 13, 14, 15 maybe or Either year, those three years, it was he was a stud. 1,000-plus yards, 10 TDs, you know, worth all the money he was making. But I don't think him and Dak Prescott also got along. And I think they want to make Dak that vocal leader. And I think it was hard with him, with Dez, also in that auto. And I think Jerry Jones realized that, and a
0: lot of the NFL is realizing that wide receivers are kind of indispensable right now you can get a lot of quality wide receiver play from guys that you don't have to pay, let's say, the Jarvis Landry contract that Cleveland just gave after the Dolphins traded him or what Odell's asking for or what Antonio Brown signed for last year as an extension with Pittsburgh. You don't have to really pay A lot of guys, a lot of money to get quality wide receiver play one through four on your depth chart. And I think that's what teams are starting to realize. And I think that's also what led to the Cowboys kind of saying, he's not worth the headache. This is almost addition by subtraction by releasing him right now and not having to pay him the money that we were going to have to pay him going into next season.
1: Football is right around the corner. The draft is nine days away, people. And Let's we are, go, G-Men.
0: And we are going to keep covering the draft up until draft coverage. Obviously, the Friday morning dab, listen to the third edition. We might be having another podcast, the Letterman Jacket podcast, who specializes in a little bit of football talk on the podcast in the next 10 days to hopefully talk about the draft and kind of give you a rundown. Anthony Rinaldi. We call that cross-podcast. Cross-podcasting. Cross podcasting. Before we go here, I'm going to remind the people that they can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at double A balls on both. DAABpodcast.com. Hit the subscribe button. Anchor. iTunes. Podbean.
1: Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Clicks, likes, subscriptions. We need it all. You don't gotta listen to us. Just click and subscribe to us. Help the
0: podcast any way you can. Apparel. You can find it at DAABpodcast.com. The link to power on is there. I am Andrew Romanella. That is my partner, Anthony Rinaldi. We are the Double A Balls Podcast, and we are out. This has been the Double A Balls Podcast, powered by Power Arm Performance, your leader in baseball and softball training apparel visit www.poweronperformance.com to get your apparel and start training like the pros today <laughs> 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 <laughs>